We are continuing our study today on uh, the role of women in the home, a message entitled The Truth Will Set You Three. This is part three, probably the final part on, on this series of subjects, uh, talking about specifically this idea that a woman's only option in marriage is to simply submit, to put up and tolerate very bad behavior. And uh, we certainly do not believe that and have been teaching that in the last two weeks uh, we are specifically speaking of probably the most famous verse on this is found in Ephesians, the fifth chapter, and the 22nd verse where Paul says, wives should submit to their husbands. Now, that's pretty much all you hear, as if that's just one thing that women have to do. I want to take a look at the whole thing, if you would, with me this morning. Looking at Ephesians, the fifth chapter, but we're not going to start at verse 22. We're going to back up and start at verse 21. It's interesting. We kind of fail to mention 21. We just jump right to 22 as if it's some strange thing applying just to women. The reality is if you read verse 21, he's talking about Christians encouraging one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, all these kind of things. And then he says this, talking to everyone in the church. He says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So you've got to set that in the context. He's saying everybody ought to be submitting to everybody. Everybody ought to have an attitude of yielding and surrendering to each other just like we yield and surrender to God in our lives. So this is not some unique things just hammered to women. He starts out saying you all need to do this. Then he starts speaking about it in specific ways. He says, okay, after he says everyone should submit to each other, he gets specific. He says then in verse 22, wives should submit to their husbands like they do to the Lord. Verse 25, he says, husbands should submit by loving their wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Men should be serving and even suffering for their families. You don't hear that part quoted very often. It's just kind of the ladies. You need to submit. Yeah. Then it continues. Now, they put a little chapter in there, but you have to understand those chapters and verses were stuck in hundreds of years later. It's just a reference point. He didn't write in chapters. He's just still talking. The very next thing he says is children should submit. How? By obeying your parents in the Lord. For this is right. Then in verse 4, he says fathers should submit. Remember the context is submit to everybody. Boom, boom. Now he's going on the list. Fathers should submit. How? By not exasperating your children. Don't be too hard on them. Yeah, well, he drives me crazy and I'm the man. Yeah, 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 back off. You need to submit. You need to yield to God in your lives. Don't be too hard on your children. Bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. He continues, slaves, specifically speaking about the powerless in their society, who says you need to submit by not just uh, doing what you're told to do on the outside, but obey your masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. See, because what they would do, the powerless in that society, they would do what they were told to do. The closest thing we have to that today would be a boss who just tells you what to do. Well, he may, may, might make me do it on the outside, but he ain't making me do it on the inside. You know what I'm saying? And what he was writing to them, to the powerless, listen, you need to even do it on the inside. This is how you need to submit. And to the powerful now, he says, to the masters, you need to treat your slaves in the same way. You need to treat them with kindness and respect. Do not threaten them. What do you mean? I'm the boss. I get to say whatever I want to say. No, 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 no. Not if you're obeying the biblical standard of submission. Okay, this is how you yield. So, this idea of submission 
was applied to everybody, not just to women. Anybody who gets up and teaches that this just applies to women is a nitwit and a nimrod and not teaching the whole Bible. Although I don't think you can find the word nitwit or nimrod in the Bible. That is my wording. Do I believe that a woman should submit by showing respect to her husband? Yes, just like a man should submit by loving and serving his wife. Just like children should submit by obeying their parents. Just like fathers should submit by not being too harsh with their children. Just like the powerless should submit by showing respect to the powerful. And just like the powerful should submit by showing kindness to the powerless. That is what the Bible teaches about submission. Well, still it says women should submit. Okay, do I believe that she should respect her husband as she does to Christ? Yes. Under normal circumstances, just like I believe the Bible teaches under normal circumstances, we should forgive people who sin against us. But as we saw last week, and if you missed last week, you need to get that tape. But if you missed last week, when a person in the church is engaged in unrepentant, bad behavior, then different rules come into play. We read about it in 1 Corinthians 5 where Paul writes, he says, but now I am writing that you must not associate with. Now check that out. Have nothing to do with. Where's the love? Where's the love? Have nothing to do with anyone who calls himself a brother, a Christian, but is sexually immoral or is greedy or an idolater or a slanderer or a drunkard or a swindler. Talking about people who get in these behaviors and refuse to change. He says, with such a man, do not even eat. Now that sounds very harsh, very cruel. What about forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us? We pray that every Sunday. What about all the forgiving and loving and kindness the Bible talks about? Is that all true? Yes, 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 yes. But when you cross the line into unrepentant, bad, destructive behavior, the rules change. And pastors who are failing to teach that are failing to teach the entire Bible. So if we apply all of Christian teaching to the home, as we should, then when a woman, or sometimes it's a man, it's not always women, overwhelmingly it tends to be the women uh, who are getting this bad information, but sometimes men are married to women who behave extremely badly. You know, women doing all kinds of ungodly things and the husband's just putting up with it because the pastor teaches them, just, just tolerate it, just tolerate it. But when a man or a woman engages a spouse who is acting in a harmful, unrepentant manner, then different rules come into play. Just like the normal rules of forgiveness in the church take on a different look when there is bad, unrepentant behavior in the church. So it is inconsistent with the overall teachings of scriptures to tell a woman that when dealing with a husband who is acting in harmful ways, that she is simply to tolerate it. That is not biblical. And again, I must point out, go ahead, you can clap. <laughs> you tell it. All right. <laughs> now, by the way, I just, I just want to point out, I'm not talking about the men of this church overwhelmingly. I'm preaching this series because I have been dealing with this around the country in reams. It's unbelievable. And some cases we have it around here, but it's unreal how many people are being told, women in terrible situations with really horrible husbands, to just put up with it. And this is not slamming the guys in this church. By and large, this church has some of the most respectful, caring, wonderfully committed men that I've ever had the honor to work with. 
Again, I want to point out that all of Christian teaching is not found about the home in Ephesians 5. Overwhelmingly, that's all. If any pastor is preaching on the home, Ephesians 5, women submit, women submit. It's not all found there. Just like all of Christian teaching about sin and forgiveness is not found in the Lord's Prayer. It's not the whole picture. You can't just take one verse and build entire doctrines and thoughts just on one verse. That's unbiblical and unbalanced. Now, there's another verse that is often consistently misapplied in troubled homes. This one's found in 1 Corinthians, the 7th chapter. It says this, The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife, i.e., sex. And likewise, the wife to her husband. The wife's body does not belong to her alone, but also to her husband. In the same way, the husband's body does not belong to him alone, but also to the wife. Now, usually guys don't quote that second half. I just quote the first half. You know, your body doesn't belong to you alone, you're put out. She can say, well, your body doesn't belong to you alone, so turn it off. It goes both ways, right? If he can flip the switch, you can shut it off, you know. Now, it does say this in the very next verse. Do not deprive each other. In other words, you're not supposed to deny each other sexually. And nobody preaches this harder or more intensely than me. I talk about this everywhere I go around the world. Couples do not have the right to ignore the sexual needs of their spouse. Goodness gracious, I don't know what in the world is happening in the world today. Before people get married, you can't keep them out of bed. And then after they get married, you can't get them back in. (laughs) And I'm convinced that one of the reasons couples are having this problem is because they misunderstand, because they bought into this overly sexualized lust culture in which we live. That sex says sex has to be preceded by, you know, this intense desire. (laughs) 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 Say, well, why don't we have sex? I I don't feel like it. Or why would they say that? Because they've really bought into the stupidity that you have to feel this. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Have you even seen these love, songs, love scenes on TV and stuff lately? Every scene lately starts out with a guy body slamming a woman up against the wall. <laughs> have you seen this? Slam! <laughs> Seriously, in 36 years of marriage, not one time has my wife ever said, how can you never slap me up against the wall? (laughs) Good Lord! You don't have to have all this... (laughs) All right, you need to be there for each other sexually. It's not right to ignore each other's needs. The other extreme is that you have to believe there has to be this huge romantic emotional connection first. So a guy approaches his wife, want to have sex? I'm not hearing anything. Nope. Not at all. I mean, come on. Stop it already. You're supposed to be sexually active with each other. You know what it means to be physically active? If you exercise once a month, are you considered physically active? If you're exercised once a week, are you considered physically active? You're not physically active till you exercise two to three times a week. Y'all ought to be sexually active. <laughs> Thought I got an amen from somebody on that, but yes. <laughs> and y'all ought to be active.
active. And it's good for you and it's healthy for you. Latest heart studies show that of, of the study groups that they've done, the men in the study groups that had sex at least two to three times a week, it cut their risk of stroke and heart attack in half. <laughs> now we got some amens. I'm just trying to keep y'all healthy for crying out loud. And I'll tell you, it forces issues, man. You guys are being healthy like you should be. It's hard to hate each other. Amen. Come on. Amen. So this is the normal arrangement between husbands and wives, and no one's a bigger fan of it than me. But just as in the other verses we talked about, different rules kick in when there is unrepentant bad behavior. Are you saying, Pastor, that a woman has the right to withhold sex from her husband if he's behaving badly? Yes! That's exactly what I'm saying for crying out loud. It is inconsistent with the broader teaching of Scripture to say otherwise. And here's a radical concept, you pastors out there. Instead of teaching that wives have to have sex with their husbands no matter how he acts, how about we teach men to treat their wives in such a way that they actually want to have sex with them? How about we do that? I think some of these pastors, they just ain't getting any or something, man. I don't know what the deal is. Uh, seriously, I don't know, you know. This is your answer? To hammer women with the Bible and say they have to make love to you? This is your idea of being a man? That's not being a man. That's being a pathetic, hollow imitation of a man. A real man knows how to be a real lover to real women. And you don't have to hammer them with the Bible. Well, brother, you're just saying, I love this. They say, well, brother, you're saying that. Women can use sex as a weapon. You know, that's, that's part of the debate process. You know, re, refocus, re, reframe your opponent's argument. That's what I get all the time from these pastors and Christian counselors. Yeah, you're saying, using sex as a weapon. I am not saying use sex as a weapon. Don't reframe my argument. Although if I had to die by the hand of a weapon... I mean, seriously, if you got to choose a knife, a gun, or, or sex, you know, sex me to death, man. I'm all, I'm all for that. No one is saying you sex is a weapon. It is you who are saying, using the Bible to say you're being biblical. What you're saying is a woman has to have sex with her husband, no matter how she's treated. And that is ludicrous and absurd, and it is not what the Bible teaches. So the question becomes, well, when does a woman have the right, or I would argue obligation, to confront the bad behavior of her husband? Well, let's go back to some of the things I mentioned in the first message. There's men who neglect their wives, men who curse at and demean their wives, men who seldom, if ever, will even talk with their wives, men who selfishly let the entire weight of the home fall on the shoulders of their wives and offer no help at all. Men who, instead of being engaged husbands and fathers, leave their families at every opportunity they have to go fishing, hunting, or playing golf or whatever. Men who come and go as they please without having the decency or the courtesy to so much as give their wives a phone call to let them know where they are. Men who stay up till all hours of the night with their buddies playing video games or at bars partying while leaving their wives at home. 
with their wives having no idea when they'll be home. And good grief, grow up already. You're still acting like you're single. When you get married and you said, I do, you said, I'm done. <laughs> Out there partying with your buddies. Good Lord. These guys need a swirly. <laughs> Men who demean and humiliate their wives by looking at pornography. You pig. You pig. You do that, some of them, in front of their wives. And you think these women have to tolerate this stuff? Men who talk, flirt with other women online, text them with inappropriate content. Men who foolishly throw away their paychecks by gambling at some stupid casino or at some moronic game of chance. Almost any behavior that threatens the emotional, physical, financial, or spiritual well-being of the home can be and must be resisted. The notion that the answer biblically is for women to just tolerate it or for some guys to just tolerate it if their wives are acting this way is insane. It is not biblical. Of course, the big question is, well, what level of resistance should a woman use in any given situation? You know, and there's a variety of things there. I mean, it can be anything from, you know, make him cook his own dinner to no hoochie-coochie tonight to kick him out of the house. It's all fair game. Well, what, what, are you saying separate? Are you saying separate? What about 1 Corinthians 7.10? Well, let's take a look at it. Paul writes this, To the married I give this command, and not just me, but the Lord. So it's heavy. A wife must not separate from her husband. See right there, Pastor. Must not separate. You're saying they must not separate. Yeah, well, keep reading. But if she does, apparently she can. If she does. Because in some circumstances... He didn't condemn her. If she does, the only thing I'm saying to you is she must stay unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. See, the whole point, my argument of the separation is to reconcile the marriage, to confront the marriage. And it shocks me how many Christians and Christian leaders are opposed to the idea of separation. You encourage people to say, when I tell women, husbands, whatever, man, you need to separate. You need to kick him out. You need to move out, whatever the deal is. They freak. Oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. But when they end up in divorce, then it's okay. It's like, we're cool with divorce. We're just against separation. Well, of all the ignorant things in the world, because if people would separate while they still cared and were fighting for the marriage while they still care, you'd have a chance to save it and there wouldn't be a divorce. But what happens is they encourage these people, women overwhelmingly, to stay in these situations year after year after year after year until she can't take it anymore. She dies on the inside, a switch is thrown, and then she divorces them anyway. I promise you there were tens of thousands of men this last week who got divorce notices from their wives. And you know what these guys did overwhelmingly? They freaked they cried, they called, they begged, they promised counseling. They did everything they could to try and save their marriage. And you know what the women told them? Too late. I don't care anymore. Well, good Lord. How about we make those steps while we still care? How about women start fighting for the marriage or men start fighting for the marriage while they still care? How about we confront this while someone cares and have a chance to save it? 
But they wait and they wait and they wait and they wait and they wait until something snaps and they don't care anymore. And then they separate. And of course, separation today is just the first step to divorce. That's not what it's intended for. Separation should kick in in a way to save the marriage from divorce. But you do this early, ladies. You do not tolerate. And I know I've been flooded with emails from women, God bless their hearts, who by advice of bad counselors and pastors who have told them to just put up with it and submit, and they tolerated it for 13, 17, 25 years. And then they try and confront it, and well, now it's so hard to change anybody because they're so entrenched in their behavior. Man, you, put, you, you challenge this stuff early on. I promise you, I go off and I start cursing at my wife, the redhead will have one conversation with me. <laughs> That's the last time you will ever do that. Don't you ever talk to me that way again. Or when you come home, I won't be here. I'd get the message really fast. You know, it's so sad. I mean, seriously, you know, you know what got me thinking about this stuff? Because I used to be, I must confess my sin. I used to be one of these pastors who told women in horrible situations, well, just, just hang in there. Just be loving, just be kind, just submit. And I'd watch them, watch them, watch them, and nothing would change, and it would be a disaster. And I'd hear these horrible stories. I finally came out of my office one day when we were in Stevens Point. I was doing counseling out of our home there because we didn't have a church at the time. And uh, I'd been listening all day to these horrible scenarios. And I finally walked up to my wife after one lady had left, and I said, you know, I keep hearing about these horrible ways that men are behaving today. And I looked at my wife and said, how come I don't behave that way? And she looked at me and said, because you're a good man. And I said, no. <laughs> she said, why not? I said, because you would kill me. <laughs> and she looked at me and said, you're right, I would. And we made a list and we started going through every couple that we knew were in a great marriage and said, what if he did this? What if he acted that? What if he did? And every one of them, she'd kill him, she'd kill him, she'd kill him, she'd kill him. <laughs> That's when it dawned on me that this is insane. And where's the fruit? There's no fruit that works. Jesus said, you'll know it by its fruit. You know what happens to these women who hang into these situations like this all this time? Overwhelmingly, nothing ever changes. I started changing my advice and started challenging women to confront it when they did. Oh, sparks would fly without a doubt, but it would save the marriage. I got a stack of testimonies of women and husbands who are happily married today because somebody had the courage to say, no, we will not do that in our home. And you, and you know what fries my Puerto Rican pancakes? <laughs> I don't even know what that means, but whatever that means. It, it's sadly that, that women have to do this at all. The truth of the matter, if men and women are both involved in the church, a woman should never have to do that. She, all she should have to do, especially if he's in leadership, he should, she should just be able to go to her pastor. And then he has a come to Jesus meeting with the boy. But churches today have become impotent and cowardly. Remember what started this whole message. That article by Chuck Colson of the lady who was, came to her pastor and said, my husband's beating me up and he threw me on the ground and he kicked me and he broke my ribs. He was, a, he was an elder in the church. And the pastor said to her, well, you just need to go home and submit some more. Just submit more. Two weeks later, she was dead. 
a leader in the church. The church did nothing to this man. The phone calls and the emails I get all day, every day from women. Their husbands are leaders in the church. He's in a barn. He's having an affair. He's doing this. He's, you know, exposing himself. I just got an email from some lady, you know. My husband just keeps whipping his willy out all over the place. She said, he just, he just chased some woman down on the interstate, had her pull over to the side of the road, walk up, and whipped out his willy. My pastor says I should just hang in there. You know, he's an elder in the church. I should just keep praying for him and submit. Two words for you, Lorena Bobbitt. <laughs> no, no, okay. I... All right, that might be a little mean. All right. You don't tolerate that behavior. Goodness gracious. I, I, I'm, I just can't understand a pastor who would encourage any woman in that situation to just submit and put up with it. He ought to be in jail. He ought to turn himself for some kind of sexual rehab program. But no, just keep praying, just keep... All right, having said all that, when it comes to giving consequences in marriage... I have discovered one thing. So many women, first of all, this is such a new concept to them, and I get it. But then when they do get the concept, they don't know how to handle it. They tend to either overdo it or underdo it. Here's an example. I had one lady tell me, I listened to what you said, Pastor, and I'm leaving my husband. And I thought, wow, what did he do? Well, he went hunting on Saturday instead of Friday. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. And then I've had it on the other extreme, you know, my, my, I heard what you taught and, and I discovered my husband is having sex with prostitutes so I'm going to listen to what you say and I'm going to quit giving him his favorite dessert. <laughs> you see, overdo it or underdoing. I mean, I mean, he could kill you. He could get AIDS from some prostitute and give it to you and kill you. You not making his favorite piece of pie is probably not going to have the desired result. How do we fix this? Well, unless, if your husband's a leader in the church, and I'll say this to my church, if your husband's a leader in this church, you don't have to say anything. You come talk to me. And we're going to go lay hands on that boy. <laughs> but other than that, really don't be coming to your pastors. We don't really have time to walk you all through this. The best thing you can do is get mentored by a woman who has a great marriage. Titus says this, uh, likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but teach what is good. Then they can train the younger women. We need the stronger women in the church teaching and training the younger, weaker women in the church how to succeed in life. If you're struggling in a bad marriage, get some advice from women who have great marriages. And when you tell them what's going on, say, I'm not here to have you feel sorry for me. I just want to know one thing. What would you do if your husband did this? And listen to what they say. Because you would be shocked. And they will guide you in appropriate ways to respond to and deal with these things. I'm going to invite our ushers to come forward to all the different campuses, get ready to serve communion, musicians can come back up. Again, I've been stunned by the emails I've received from women who are in terrible situations. By the way, ladies, some guy starts waving at you on the freeway Unless you see smoke and fire, keep driving. <laughs> I am stunned. I don't have the time to read them all to you. 
I'm just giving you some of them. These aren't all of them. We don't have time to tell you of all the situations who are being told by Christians, Christian leaders, Christian counselors, that despite the horrific way in which they are being treated, that their only obligation is to tolerate it and be patient. If that's happened to you, I would like to apologize for these leaders. I just, you know, I'm one of them. I don't do this, but I'm a part of this world. And I apologize. Some of you have been put in horrible situations. Some of you for 10, 20, 30 years. And no one has ever told you differently. And I want to apologize. It is time the church starts teaching you the whole thing. Some of you have been in just horrible emotional hell. I want you to know something. God never intended you to go through that. It was never his plan. But sadly, churches today have failed to bring discipline in any area. I get they're not doing it in homes, but they're not doing it in the church either. Nobody's doing it anywhere. We're living in such a grace-based age today. It doesn't matter what people do, what they say, how they behave. I'm stunned at how many evangelical churches never confront anybody about anything. And this is to our detriment. Let's start changing this stuff. Let's start doing it right. I'm not saying attack and confront for the sake of being mean. If anything, you should never yell, scream, curse, any of these things toward a man or a wife who's acting badly. You as quietly and respectfully as you can, you just let them know we will not tolerate this. And for you women, I, you know, I know a lot of women all over the country and the world are going to be watching this DVD. I can't speak for your church, but I can speak for this one. If you're in a situation and you need to move out and you don't know where to go, you have no place to go, you come to me. We will find a place for you. We'll put you up ourselves if we have to. But it is time that we stop the insanity. Well, despite all our bad behavior, God has promised to forgive us of our sins if we turn away. See, that's the part people don't want to do. You've got to be willing to turn away. Jesus died on the cross to forgive us of our sins. That's what we're celebrating during communion. But it starts with a willingness to turn from what you know is wrong and harmful. If you will do that and put your trust in Christ today, you can experience forgiveness of your sins, heinous as though they may be. But it starts with repentance. If you're willing to turn away from your wrong, put your faith in Jesus this morning, you can experience forgiveness in your life today. I'm going to invite everybody watching with me this morning to bow your heads in a word of prayer. I'm going to pray a prayer and invite you to pray this along with me. If you will believe this from the bottom of your heart, you can experience God's forgiveness and grace in your life. Let's pray this together. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God, that you loved me so much, you went to the cross and took my punishment. I ask you to come into my heart and to forgive me of my sins. I now surrender my life to you. Amen.